This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Now, this program will air tomorrow on April 9th, 2019. I cannot always do my show live as I like to do, but making this tape will give me a chance for second thoughts. Of course, it's agony to think twice, as we all know in any case. This half hour will air Tuesday, the 9th of April. And I want to be sure that you know that tonight on PBS television, you can watch a special program with Henry Louis Gates, the famous scholar and historian. He's become a television star, the voice for African-American experience. Ah, uh, uh, yes, Henry Louis Gates. Tonight's show, the one on television, is part one. Uh, Part two is on the 11th. The show is about the so-called Reconstruction, uh, the disaster that followed the Civil War and the assassination of President Lincoln. I always say that it was the destruction of Reconstruction that followed Once the president was gone, things rolled back. Now, the backlash that followed followed the abolition of what was called chattel slavery, uh, that was abolished, yes. Lincoln, uh, he put out an executive order for emancipation. That was, uh, (laughs) theoretically, the the end of of slavery, but the uh, Emancipation Proclamation didn't do the job. Even the constitutional amendments didn't do the job because in the decades that followed the Civil War, uh, we saw the birth of something called Jim Crow. There was a short period of inclusion in governments following the war. We saw uh, black representatives in the Congress, but almost at once all that changed and the socio-political scene uh, put the old order in power again, more or less. The KKK flourished. All those workers, laborers, the men and women who were fired, in effect, from the plantations, were left 
alone, without resources. We're free. Now where do we go? Uh, it was a glorious, glorious moment in the nation, but in order to keep food on the table, many ex-slaves, former captives, had no choice but to go to work for their former owners. Sharecropping was the only way to keep, well, to keep keep a roof over your head, to keep your little cabin up. Now, the cabin was all you had before emancipation, but of course, you kind of paid rent. It was sort of the property of the white owners, so sharecropping was the choice for many, 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 many people. Of course, it varied all across the nation, of course. But what Henry Louis Gates uh, is trying to do is uh, give you a picture, a picture of this uh, rocky road. His new book, his new book is about the rocky road to freedom, still on that rocky road. Uh, now, I'm just going to repeat. All that is the basis for the programs on PBS, April 9th and 11th, and I'm sure they will air again and again. Uh, they tie in with the incredible work of Ken Burns, who did documentaries or docudramas about the Civil War. Now, it's not news, not news to most Americans, that our black citizens have been oppressed, that uh, more is needed than just legal citizenship. What is needed to change the lives of black Americans is a change of heart. One of the best examples of today's uh, I'd call it racist, I guess, perception of African Americans, is the now infamous arrest of Henry Louis Gates himself. <laughs> He's such a sweet little man with his glasses and looks like a little professor, which is what he is. Uh, it was an incident that I thought was hilarious. Uh, it made the news Henry Louis Gates was arrested for breaking into his own home. President Obama was called upon to make it all up, have a beer with uh, Gates and the arresting officer. Uh, it happened that it seems that Gates was returning from vacation. He found himself locked out of his home, and a neighbor saw him. <laughs> and she, I believe she, I think, anyway. The police were called. Gates lives in an affluent community. And the uh, presence of a black man was, of course, suspicious. <laughs> the cop on the job, though, did not stop to find out who Gates was or what he was doing. There, there he was in the white neighborhood. Uh, obviously, something was wrong. I'm not sure how that notion of President Obama sitting down with both men for a beer I didn't hear whether friendships developed or there was any follow-up. Uh, yeah, Obama certainly did his best uh, in the old days, back in the day, say, the 50s. We used to say how things might have changed so long ago if President Eisenhower had just gone down to Little Rock and taken the hand of a child, one of the 
black school children who were uh, trying to desegregate the schools. Now, now, if Eisenhower had simply walked in with her, I think it was a girl, the first one you remember. Uh, anyway, all the civil rights legislation in the world won't help us if society doesn't follow through. Ah, maybe for the rest of America, the people who are not people of color, well, maybe there's a portion of those people whose hearts aren't in it. Have a nice cliche. The public mind and the public heart, the political will, you know, the old South, uh, they pretty much wanted to keep what they called tradition. I love that word for tradition, meaning uh, <laughs> a divided racist society. Uh, ah, the best that is thought and said in today's cultural climate. That's what I try to do. I try to watch the news and find out the best that is thought and said. There hasn't been enough about having lost heart. Uh, the, uh, the voice of Henry Louis Gates is the voice of African Americans at this moment in history. One voice, of course, there are hundreds, but uh, he is a historian. His work has been around for a long time, but... Like so many writers and thinkers, he has been read and studied only by those in the know, already in the know, you know, people who were looking for the facts as well as the way those facts created these symbols and myths and uh, stereotypes, the KKK uh, horrors. Uh, the anti-facts of today uh, these are even more, I was going to say vicious, they're hard, harder, harder to unpack, yes, because this luggage so many people carry, uh, uh, they just won't put it down and walk away. Uh, now, <clears throat> Gates' subject is almost always the history of African Americans as their lives are lived in the United States, uh, more than four centuries. I've been watching lately his show called Roots, in which he shows that, well, for one thing, that race is a complete illusion, uh, but he takes individual people, just uh, some of them familiar, some of them uh, uh, famous actors, things like that, and he goes back into their past to show them that their origins are various and uh, that uh, skin color has very little to tell us about who is who. <laughs> Who's who, yes. Uh, uh, African history is also one of his uh, enthusiasms. Uh, but he wisely focuses on our nation at least for these programs, uh, the growth from colonial, uh, mostly British 
into our nation-state. Uh, the Dutch were very early arrivals. I have to say it was some of my ancestors who came with the Dutch. Uh, so many books on my shelf that help me see so many ways of the earliest invasions. Uh, people of color were always here. The territories that formed today's nation, uh, well, <laughs> it's hard to say uh, how it is and how many came. I think of the Creole uh, ancestors of my own uh, counting. I'm counting down. I would say I don't know how many centuries it goes back, but uh, we do know that you know, great chunks of this nation belong to France. Things were a little more easygoing for Frenchmen in uh, the French territories. Uh, you remember back in the day when Thomas Jefferson just bought those territories. It was called the Louisiana Purchase. It was an incredible amount of land in the middle of our continent. Uh, I'm trying to remember they used to have... a a uh, uh, figure for the amount he paid per acre. Uh, anyway, there were certainly more territories than claimed by Texas. Now, you remember when Mexico owned the stomach, I call it, of the uh, United States, what is today the United States. You look at the old maps, and you find the so-called borders of all these lands. But Europeans were basically the crowd that we call the invaders. This crowd stole from the Native Americans. Uh, I don't like to look at the figures of how many uh, Native Americans died when the Europeans arrived. Uh, the inhabitants of today's United States what's left of uh, the Native Americans included. Uh, well, I think we're finally beginning to recognize that thousands of years this has been the home of people who came, many people say, uh, from Asia through Alaska, who knows. Uh, they had many separate nations. They were described as tribes by the Europeans, the history books. Uh, check out California. California is claimed by Spain until the uh, Spaniards were driven out by competing European nations. Uh, all up down the California coast, there are the uh, missions, places where the, uh, the Catholic world order, well... I was going to say that they they murdered the Indians all up and down the coast. They called them Indians. That made it okay to kill them. But they did uh, some places here and there uh, give them work or uh, try to convert them to Catholicism. Long stories, all of it. But most of it is not included in our uh, storybooks, our history books, our myths and symbols. They, they uh, are not part of what I call the uh, presenting narrative, the master narrative. Uh, 
master narrative uh, is about our country's belief that we, I am one of the white folks because I look like one, we, those who rule the United States now, you know, have a right to do so. Just turn on the TV and watch the Congress in action. I I would like to see a swath, a majority of the congressional uh, representatives as black women. My younger son, when he was little, he said, oh, and they have to wear glasses. <laughs> that was his idea of a, what is it, a downer. Anyway. The idea was shore to shore, this was our land. Now, Hawaii and Puerto Rico do confuse some folks, but that's another story. I'm still delighted to know that Barack Obama is uh, thought to be, well, he's born outside, you see, he was born in Hawaii. So, well, you know, he's not really, not really an American citizen. Uh, I don't know. I digress all over the place. African-American peoples have lived here as long as any group since the Native Americans. Uh, most, if you go through the legacy of most of the uh, black Americans who had to grow up in slavery, they were, what you call it, their descendants have been here a hell of a lot longer than anybody on that ship. What was it? The Mayflower, right? Uh, anyway, those are the men and women. They sailed the ships. They married into indigenous tribes. The economics of that age now demanded workers on a grand scale. Grand is the wrong word. It was a demand for labor that was so great something had to be invented called the slave trade. Now, the trade was uh, ended quite a while before slavery itself, but those uh, slaves who had come here and who had been, uh, what is that, uh, worked into the fabric of society, that is to say they were owned. Different story for them, but... Uh, the British were the well, first to abolish the slave trade. I may be wrong about that. Uh, the slave trade operated on a vast scale. You look at the islands now. There was one Haiti. Haiti managed to declare itself independent, yes. And the cost, the cost of that independence was certainly more than could endure if you Look at things now. Uh, it is surrounded by rapacious regimes unwilling to accept Haitians as equals. Now, racism was invented in order to justify what some have called the greatest crime in human history. Uh, it's very, very hard when you look at all of history Decide what is the greatest crime. Opinions differ. China in the 20th century under Chairman Mao certainly seems to have one of the highest body counts, uh, even while Mao himself, uh, <laughs> he is still revered by so many. And uh, 
I would speak of Stalin. Never mind, Hitler. Anyway, go figure. Skip the horrors of the mid, uh, mid uh, 17th and 18th century. The horrors of the 19th are pretty, pretty good. Uh, now, those world wars uh, took their share of black Americans. Black Americans have certainly fought our wars, built our cities. Now, it does seem that chattel slavery was so profound and the mythology with it goes so deep and the social lies needed to sustain it. These cut so deep and crippled so many psyches uh, that it stands uh, as the greatest, what do you call it, stain on our socioeconomic reality today. We all know now that race does not exist. Uh, there's nationality, this and that. Uh, Toni Morrison tried to explain that to the men in Congress, but she said they do not seem to understand English sentences. Well, anyway, this past, our tragic past, is always present. We look around and we see the effects of this uh, crime. Uh, the past has become the present. I think of those prisons down in Alabama. It's just like the old plantations, only uh, they get a tiny wage. I consider all the lives I know and the ways in which each one of us has evolved. You are what you were. It all adds up. Layers and layers of experience add up to individuals, to groups. Uh, history happens, and it happens to millions of souls that inhabit our environment. Uh, so hard for people to accept that uh, we have been shaped by what has happened to all of us. Now, every single individual has been affected by slavery, chattel slavery, by, call it racism. We've proven that race is a construct used by one group to oppress another. The concept of color as a measure of man, wow. <laughs> and uh, I think women, women of color, more than all, it is she, you know. This is a neglected uh, area. It's most often he we talk about, but she can produce more laborers more workers, more fodder, cannon fodder, more flesh for her owners. Uh, <laughs> you cannot abolish, uh, what is that? Uh, cannot abolish the woman's capacity to create. Uh, I was thinking back about uh, some of our ancient practices we never have paid the mothers who produce these, these free laborers. Uh, I've thought always that we should give women uh, at least double what they uh, 
are said to earn, they would have at least one child to support. Now, we have just only begun to unwrap this package of pain. How was it all done? How could masses and masses of human beings be convinced that black people, black women, were less than human, were in no way the equals of people uh, with less, I guess it's melanoma, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> imagine that these people were superior to those with the different uh, different skin color. I don't know what to call it. Uh, I have read of black mothers on the west coast of Africa who saw white sailors coming on the ships, these Europeans, and many of these women had never encountered uh, light skin and they concluded that perhaps these men had been premature babies. Perhaps they'd been early births or something. They looked unfinished, uh, not having completed their uh, development. <laughs> fetal, fetal, uh, fetal throwback something. Uh, I, I, I just, how they did not, uh, how they did not understand that uh, the new normal was going to be the new, uh, the new white person. Now, uh, a diagnosis that made sense to them was that these individuals were simply not the equal, uh, not finished, as it were, and not uh, able to think and act and. Uh, have emotions as white people. Uh, many of us seem to claim, well, I think that white skin, <laughs> it seems to me it makes people look naked. I, I've always felt felt that way, but I'm only one person, and I uh, really know nothing, having been raised as quite white. I always say an individual is quite white. Uh, an amusing thing that happened in the Black is Beautiful movement in the 60s, late 60s. Uh, I hesitate to mention this because it's uh, probably not the sort of thing people like to hear. But uh, we were told that 12% of the population, roughly, were uh, black Americans. And uh, after the Black is Beautiful movement started, I turned around and it was 25% of the population at least in Oakland or in the neighborhood where I live, turned out to be African-Americans. Uh, they stopped straightening their hair. That's all it was about. Uh, I think that African ancestry is neither here nor there when race is being discussed. Uh, I, I don't think we can... we can uh, conclude that, uh, as Jefferson said, that dark skin or race was bred out when you were one-sixteenth part African-Americans. You then uh, were, what is that, uh, assumed to be part of white culture because that's what you looked like. Uh, anyone who looks at a black American uh, knows that they have certainly been affected by the color of their skin. Now, recently, 
DNA has smashed all the nonsense about race, about this colossal crime of chattel slavery. It's all proven to have been based on an illusion. Unbelievable. Get your mind. Hardening of the categories. What have we done? Check out tonight's show with Henry Lewis Gates. He's going to tell you all about what happened in this country during Reconstruction after the Civil War. Till I'm back on the air again, this has been Jennifer Stone. If you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. My name is Linda Mayo. I'm a Berkeley City Council member, and I'm happy to give a shout-out to KPFA, both as a listener and as a monthly donor member. KPFA has been at the forefront, providing the most excellent, brilliant, cogent analyses of all the realities that shape our lives every day, in our economy, and our politics, caring for our planet. And I'm so impressed with the courage it takes to do this work, especially when some of the topics they tackle may be unpopular to some people. And how important, too, are the individual voices of those people who are often in the vanguard but are unnoticed, who may never be heard, if not for KPFA. So KPFA is in our kitchens and our living rooms every day, moving forward, doing the important work that we need to do because we're aware, because we're educated, because we know what's up. Thank you for the work you do, KPFA, on behalf of your listeners everywhere. You're listening to K-